good day to you and yours. Hope you all are doing well. Thank you for listening. I am in a unique circumstance presently. I am test driving a truck that I've had for the last couple of days. And I'm just kind of in, I'm in that in-between moment where sometime in the immediate future, perhaps while I'm recording this, I'll find out if I'm going to buy this thing today or not. You know, and I'm just, that's just a, an interesting place if you don't regularly make big purchases. Um, I know people, you know, I work in the automotive industry, and so I see people, um, you know, buy and sell and trade in vehicles uh, with what I would call regularity. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of become, I mean, I remember, my goodness, when I was 16 in 1987, and I got my first car. My dad, he didn't just help me buy it. He he bought it. And, you know, I was mowing grass back then. And I would help a little bit. I paid some towards it. Very thankful that he instilled that principle in me. It was a 19... The best I can remember, it was a 1978, I think was the year. And it was called a Ford Futura you want to do a google on that and see a fine automobile 1978 ford futura two-door okay the paint had zero shine on it i mean zero flat as a board that was back when what you had it was called single stage paint you didn't have clear coat back then i mean it was you'd rub your hand on it and that's what you heard <laughs> but boy you couldn't find one cleaner I remember taking the hubcaps off and I painted the wheels gloss black I taped off the lug nuts man tire shine it had a blue vinyl bench seat in the front whoo boy the girls all everybody wanted to ride in it for sure right <laughs> I have to add this just for entertainment. I'm actually feeling somewhat lighthearted today, so maybe I should take advantage of that and record as much as I can. <laughs> I remember this stuff is so hilarious. I love thinking about it, okay? Back, you know, again, right when I turned 16, I, of course, had a, a job. I was a, a waiter back then. I would work evenings while I was in school. And always liked working, liked having my own money. Independent, right? <laughs> And I remember piecing together this like homemade stereo system. I bought the, the nicest tape deck you could buy at the time from this audio and video slash record tape store. Um, CDs, of course, didn't exist yet. Nobody had CDs. You sure didn't have a CD player. There wasn't such a thing. Laser discs, yeah, you could get those for your television for movies. Um, but I remember buying this tape deck at the local, what was the name? Front Front Row, I think was the name of it. Audio, video, and CDs and tape, or uh, records and tapes. 
Was that the name of it? I don't know. That's been a little while. <laughs> um, and I remember installing that, or maybe I even paid to have it put it in. I don't remember if I even knew how to do that yet. I know I had messed around with some stuff, but whatever the case, I bought this cheap little amplifier. Not like a professional amplifier like I bought years later. Big deal, big money, like professional custom audio system. This was this little thing about the size of a radar detector that you mounted underneath your dashboard, like, you know, right right in the middle below your ashtray. And I remember installing that myself, and uh, <laughs> it would always overheat, and it would pop, and, and it would just short out. I mean, and it had this little equalizer lights, you know, that would dance with the beat of the of the music and do do do, and it was so funny. I remember sitting in the Walmart parking lot one time with my best friend, and his girlfriend wanted to see it. He had told her about my stereo. It was so hilarious as I think back, as us as just kids being ridiculous. But the most most fun part, looking back, the most entertaining part is. The very first phase of my life of like where I ended up going in ridiculous measure as far as money I ended up spending on audio equipment, car audio stuff. This was like the inception. I remember buying a subwoofer, a, a large speaker at a yard sale. And now not a car one, but a, a big old cabinet speaker. If you're if you're younger than shoot. 40 you may not even know what that means but like back when I was younger the bigger the speaker the better and so one of these you know three foot tall wood home stereo speakers speaker box and I remember buying one at a yard sale and taking the main subwoofer speaker out of it and (laughs) This is so hilarious. It's almost embarrassing. I remember <laughs> I remember taking a cardboard box, painting it to match my car, to match the interior of the car, that light blue vinyl, and I put, um, you could buy pinstripe tape back then that's different than you can buy now, and I ran it across and I made the little that little heartbeat symbol, which was like, you know, this 80s, how in the, how in the world do these things happen? It was like an 80s coolness symbol, you know? Now, again, I'm driving a Ford. I'm not driving a, a Chevy, the heartbeat of America. That used to be their theme. <laughs> and I remember putting that across there and cutting out that hole, and I covered it in tape and painted it to match my interior, and I mounted this heavy huge speaker to this cardboard box and wired it up in my back seat. It sat in the middle of my back seat, which is just hilarious. I can just, I can envision it like it was yesterday. And I just thought, boy, I was something. Boy, I was something. Man, that was so nice. (laughs) Oh my gosh. If I could hear it today, I'd probably laugh at just how horrible it sounded, but at the time, boy, I was, I, I was happening, in my own opinion, of course. 
won't mention what I listened to through it back then, but oh my goodness, the fun memories. And I remember going through my cycle of cars and, and like how I would get a nicer car and I'd get a nicer stereo system set up. I may spend a thousand. And then I'd get another car and I might spend two thousand, which culminated in I bought a brand new truck and I, man, I didn't have the money to do it. Pattern of life, I didn't have the money to do it. And I started like basically working to buy and pay off this brand new truck. Nice truck. So 1990, I had graduated, so it was like 1993. I bought it a couple years after I graduated. I think the truck was a 92. And I bought it brand new. And I just decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to customize this thing. And I did. I ended up, ended up customizing this truck, taking it to truck shows um, all across the Midwest, St. Louis, Indiana. And that was my thing. I mean, that's what I did. It became my identity. More... More bells and whistles. Sorry, I'm trying to drive here. More bells and whistles, more nice things, more stereo system components. I had a custom stereo built for thousands of dollars. I mean thousands. I would go to competitions, and I would win. <laughs> my truck was the epitome of my life, which was like, I'm going to win. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to have the best here. I will annihilate you come trophy time. <laughs> and in that point of my life, that I mean the epitome of a demonstration of the flesh. That truck was an extension of my Adamic condition. Um, it may sound silly and you may think I'm... I'm making this more extravagant than it is. If anything, I'm probably lessening it, lessening it some. It was probably worse than you could even imagine. I, I had a real problem. Well, and again, I don't know where I'm going with this necessarily. I just, I just wanted to talk and share something kind of funny. But as I think back and like, even as I start to think of my condition of my life back then, it's just really, man, like... And again, I'm not embellishing this like, man, I remember who I was. Oh my gosh, I remember how I was. And as I, the last recording I did was talking about the great high priest and Jesus interceding. And like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm inundated this last couple minutes now with the memories of my condition. Oh, friends, do we remember our condition? As I looked at the Syrophoenician woman last week in that two-part series about walking in that place of being unoffended, unmoved by our condition, I need, I need the Savior. I need Him. I know who I am. <laughs> like, I, I remember my condition. And so I... As I sit here and I talk about things that are, in fact, very funny, very entertaining to remember and even share and perhaps to listen to me say, 
yes, those things are light and they're funny. But they're only that way because I can see now who I was as a, as a young man. Because that continued into my young adulthood. Until the Lord arrested me. <laughs> That's my story. He arrested me. He made me look at myself and my life. In this season of my life, my testimony looking back is everything in my life fell apart for the most part. My money, my relationship with the girl I was engaged to, I made horrible decisions and I won't even go into all those things. She, she rightly left me. Thank the Lord she left me. My finances, my truck was totaled, my everything that my life was devoted to was 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 became parts <laughs> in an instant. I mean everything about that that vehicle that was my life. Every, I mean literally y'all, I would go to truck shows every weekend. I would travel hundreds of miles to sit there with the perfect demonstration of my own carnal awesomeness. And I would be rewarded for it and recognized for it by hundreds of people every weekend. If not more, depending on what show I went to. And all of that was removed from me in a mere moment when I rear-ended a 4x4 truck and, and everything about my life that mattered to me the most was gone. And in that moment, I had to really reckon, like in that moment, meaning that season, when my fiancé said, I'm out of here, I can't take you anymore. This isn't going to work. I had to really reckon with what in the world am I doing? Because I'm, I had made a decision for Jesus in the mid-80s. I had made a decision. I knew my condition somewhat. Knew by formula what the solution was, what I was supposed to do. I don't want to go to hell. I've heard all of my childhood that what happens to those who God is angry with <laughs> and die without Him. Well, okay, well, I don't want that. Even, even a, a middle schooler, a fifth grader can understand that. But it never, I never faced my condition. I never understood my depravity. I never got it. I knew by conviction of the Holy Spirit pursuing me, intermixed with a heavy, heavy dose of self-condemnation and guilt that the enemy would, would heap onto me, and rightly so, because of my condition. But I never embraced, like, a true spiritual solution, a true heart repentance. I missed that part. I never got to that part of like, 
understanding the scriptural instruction in order of regeneration, baptism, repentance, a complete turning, recognition of my depravity and sin and why I even need a Savior. I missed that part. I had been baptized. I had been born again. It was on a paper in my Bible, dated. I remember the circumstance clearly. Clearly, 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 clear as a bell. And can we say it's part of my journey? Well, of course. But <laughs> there was no journey from there, really. There was, there was really nothing that continued from that place. It was a decision and a getting wet and a member of the church and somehow God will receive me now and off I go. And now as I'm 46 and I'm reflecting on those decisions and my lifestyle choices and my indulgence of self. I was not unique. I wasn't like more wretched than anyone else. Although I, I could argue the point that I in fact was. <laughs> I feel like I was. But I know in the light of humanity, we're either regenerated and, and we have been given a heart of flesh for our heart of stone of rebellion or we're not. I mean, we're either in or out. We're either a new creation or we're in death. I mean, it is that simple. And so now I'm just thinking, let me just connect it back to where I started. As I'm driving this truck that may or not become, quote, mine by the end of this day. I just don't care. I don't care if I drive it home or if I drive my old truck home. My old truck is better than what maybe the average person drives. I mean, maybe not anymore. A lot of people buying a new car is normal. But this 2006 truck that I'm driving right now is exponentially nicer than what I now drive. And I believe and I'm convinced in the natural it will last me more years than what I presently drive. And it's a hard-to-find vehicle because of its condition. But it's just awesome just to reflect back. I remember buying cars, making big decisions back in my own ways and, and approaches and, and ideas. and Like I remember the place in my heart that that stuff held. Like, oh, I have to have that. That, that impulsory feeling. The impulse of I see something I want and I need that. Oh, I need it. I'm going to justify it. I'm going to put a great spin on it. I'm going to throw everything in my favor to convince myself and everyone in my life, hey, I need this. I need it. <laughs> it's obligatory for me to buy this. Like, I have to. And it's just such an awesome feeling to like, because of the work of the Lord in me, knowing my condition, knowing who I've been in my life, 
like, you know what? I don't have to have this. I don't have to have this truck to find what? To find satisfaction. My satisfaction truly and really is rooted and established in things that aren't on wheels, (laughs) that aren't in a store, that aren't on a shelf or in a lot at a dealership. I'm satisfied. I'm so satisfied and I'm so grateful for that because for that to be true for me and the pattern of my life, that is truly supernaturally miraculous. For sure. For me. I was never satisfied. I was never, ever satisfied when I lived for myself. Isn't that funny? When you pursue satisfaction in yourself, by yourself, through your own capabilities, you cannot be satisfied. What a spiritual truth that is for us to learn and for me to continue to learn in greater measure throughout the rest of my life. When we try to put our own hands to anything that we deem we want or need, when we simply pursue that in our own abilities and and our own natural cravings, which we do have and will forever have, but if we yield to those and give ourselves to those to be our motivating factor, when our whole purpose is to seek out satisfaction via those means, we will never be satisfied. Isn't that ironic? A spiritual man cannot and will not ever be able to be satisfied by walking out a fleshly and natural pursuit of satisfaction. Praise the Lord, we can't. If we could, the kingdom wouldn't make sense. The ways of the kingdom and the patterns of the ways of the Lord would not make sense to a spiritual man if that were true. It's an identity issue. A residence issue. A mind issue. No, I'm not I'm not set on those things. They don't define what I call pleasurable, desirable, satisfying. And so I guess <laughs> we've covered a lot of different things. I'm just I'm just rejoicing in my heart that you know what? I'm just satisfied. I just am. And if I drive to this dealership and they say, hey, Joel, you know, the price you're giving us, we just can't do that. We just need X. And I say, you know, well, that's fine. I just, I'm not going to do that. And I leave and I go home in my old truck. (laughs) May I be satisfied? May I be equally satisfied as when this is still a possibility for me. May we just learn to be a content people. What is it with our children? They're never satisfied. Give them a scoop of ice cream, they're wondering when they're getting the next one. (laughs) 
You know, I mean, that's that's a just that's the simple reality, understandable approach of childish thinking, not childlike, childish. Oh, hey, what I'm having right now is awesome, but what's next? <laughs> because my present condition of being satisfied is dependent on what you're about to give me next that I don't yet have. And y'all, we just have to sit back and recognize as spiritual adults, you know what? May we not be that way. May our eyes be on today. Lord, this is what you have for me. This is what you have brought to me, given to me, taken from me, allowed me to have, told me I can't have. All these things, Lord, my contentment, my satisfaction literally is in you. It's in him. He is my my pleasure. <laughs> but still yet can be in much greater measure as I go through the course of my life. And layers of of myself and those old patterns that were established back in my teens as they rear their heads in whatever versions and ways they come. All right, Lord. This is what I'm talking about with the Syrophoenician woman. Is This is not just a momentary, one-time repentance, recognition of my condition. This is, I have done that. I have been redeemed, regenerated. And now, as that continues in my life, and things continue to be revealed in me, I turn. God, I still turn. I turn again. I turn again, I turn again, and I turn again. The pattern of my life. Our lives must be a constant seeing, responding in humility, and a repentance and a turning. So that our, that our satisfaction is increasingly more and more set upon things that cannot be seen, that cannot be purchased, that cannot be added to our life in this natural life alone. That's my prayer for myself, for my household, for my brothers and sisters here in the Lord, and for you if you're listening. Like, May that be true for you. May that be true for us called according to the name of Christ a spiritual people with minds set on things above and not on earthly things amen